to Monolithic the Podcast, where we explore diversity within Black experiences. I'm Bev. I'm Dylan. I'm Aaliyah. I'm Paige. And I'm Chasmin. And thank you for tuning in to our fifth episode of Monolithic. As always, we're going to have a fruitful and impactful discussion surrounding various topics of Blackness. But before we begin, how did y'all feel about last episode's conversation? Last episode, I feel like I always leave these spaces and recordings like dangly. You could have said that better. <laughs> and um, I think for me, just like growing up in predominantly black spaces, I really like had the opportunity to interact with like white people like a lot. Besides, like I went to like a science summer camp three years where I was one of few. Um, but definitely living in Arizona was the first time where I had to learn how to navigate white spaces and how taxing that it could really be. And so subconsciously, I feel like I tried my best to not perpetuate negative stereotypes. And at the same time, when I was like trying to be my best and just, you know, be myself, I was called like too professional or whatever that means. So it kind of felt like performing my blackness in the way that I saw was fit wasn't respected because I didn't follow the the stereotype. So it was kind of like a constant identity development and struggle thing in grad school surrounding like performing blackness, having mask on, mask off. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that definitely, uh, I would say, summarizes, touches on a lot of what we discussed on last episode's um, conversation. So if y'all haven't heard it, please tap into that one because it was a good little conversation today's topic i said what i said being black in a leadership role so starting off with the first question um to the group what's it like being a black supervisor i think that opera silence is for a reason because <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot right um i uh, Dylan, you want to go for it? I, I'll, no, I I'll, I'll, I'll back. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that the answer to that question really depends on who I'm supervising. Um, because I have had an extremely different supervising experience, supervising like white students brown students and black students um and so I think that when I think about like my most favorite moments as a supervisor have come from supervising my black students and I think it's because the level of respect is just a different level of respect like they respected me like the the auntie that came to the cookout right like I wasn't their mother. I wasn't always trying to tell them what to do, but they really understood that I was coming from a place of like wisdom, leadership and wanting the best from them. Um, so I think that they respect me in a different way. Um, and I've not I have not personally had an instance with a black supervisee that has made me want to come home and resign from my job. Now, with my white students, I have had a white student try to get me fired. Like literally went up the chain and was like, it's a wrap. I want her removed and lied on me and everything. 
Um, and I've also had like my white students just kind of really not believe me. They would go over my head. Um, I have one of my white supervisees email the president of the university. Yeah. So I think that um, I would even go like my I feel like something that I've really kind of been toying with are these like acts of violence. And sometimes supervising white students as a black supervisor low key can be an act of violence on your well-being because they just I think sometimes for me, they think that I'm like second class and I'm not have one white supervisee that I have wanted to continue to supervise, period. Now, also disclaimer, I'm from rural Kentucky. And so I think that how people see black people in Kentucky is an extremely different um, space, but it ain't been good always. So I think that's good, Jasmine. Um, for me, when I think about being, what is it like being a Black supervisor? Um, for me, it depends upon wh- who's in that space. Um, so I've had spaces where, um, I have been an only, and so, um, I have to not only think about how I show up as Paige, but I have to think about how I show up with my identities. How am I being received with those identities? Um, and then how do I follow up? And so, it almost feels like I am doing three jobs at once at, at one time, um, which can be um, hard. And so when you think about like imposter syndrome, sometimes like, OK, well, I said the same thing that this person said. How come my staff didn't receive me that way um, as well? And then I also think about spaces where there are um, students that look like me or we have some sh- um, similar like identities. Um, I find those to be um spaces where I care a lot because I want them to succeed and I even find myself pouring um a lot of time energy and effort with them right and so I think about folks who's like hey Paige I need help with my cover letter or like I don't want I like they'll pull you inside and say hey like um it was interesting this past year a student pulled me aside and was like we're both black and I can't wait to have a black supervisor right and so then Sometimes it's holding like, okay, I'm somebody's first like supervisor who looks like them. And so not wanting to fail. And so there's pressure of like, I want to make sure I hold them accountable. I don't want people to think that I'm uh, playing favorites. Um, I also want to meet their expectations and I want to meet my expectations as well. And so um, it can be hard sometimes being a supervisor, but also I think that the experience is uh, rewarding as well. Um, My students are the reason why or one of the reasons why I really find joy um, within this position. But also when you talk about being a supervisor, um, that means that there are people above me too. And so I think um, it's important to think about the people above me who influence my work and how I show up as well. Definitely. Thanks, Paige. I think um, what you shared kind of leads into some things that I wrote down for myself. I think when I think about like supervising someone, I always think about like all of their identities that I know or that are visible. Um, and I, the first thing I think about is how am I going to connect connect with each of these staff members, right? So say if I have like a white heterosexual male stu- um, student, I'm going to say, all right, besides those identities, how do I engage with them? How will I find a connecting piece? So my first meetings are always like us getting to know each other. Like, what is your favorite thing? Do you like to travel? Like, I'm really asking like interview questions in a sense, because I really want to find something that we can connect with. 
And I think that it's challenging both ways, as you stated, Paige, because I've had a staff where there were no black people. And then I had a staff where it's predominantly black. And although I felt more comfortable in the predominantly black space in supervising them, it was that added pressure of like, you know, I want to make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Wait, they may be a little bit too more comfortable. Like sometimes they got super comfortable with me and I still had to say like, all right, boundaries and remind them like I'm still your supervisor. And that was always hard for me um, because like I didn't want to, again, try to tell them how to be professional, what professionalism means and try to teach them and guide them on how to interact in this quote unquote professional world, which is rooted in whiteness. So it's always challenging for me, always, 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 because I'm like, yeah, I want to be a positive representation for all of my staff members, regardless of how they look. But at the same time, I still need that same level of respect that you would give a white man who you will never ask or question them uh, or ask for their credentials. I think that's real. Ali, I think you mentioned something that I definitely take into my approach of supervising <clears throat> all of my students, specifically those who may have very completely opposite or different identities that I do, is just finding similarities, like finding common um, touch points, uh, because I think the human experience, there's always going to be things that we all can relate to. And so um, that's kind of like my approach with 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 all folks. However, I think there is the elements of those identities that I keep in mind. Um, I think currently right now working here in Tampa has been the first time that I supervised or have even been amongst this amount of white students, um, because in my experience, I, our white student population had always been the minority um, or closer to the minority in the institutions that I've been at before. So I think my experiences have been fairly positive because um, there's the the socialization of the institution that does a lot of the like, you know, um, I don't want to say work, but like when I think about Chasmin's recount on some of her um, unfortunate situations with her students, keeping in mind where that location was, like in Kentucky, in rural Kentucky, in the um, the views that people may have racially you go to the places that I was at, like being in Miami, for example, um, if you are coming from outside coming in, your first thought is like, usually they go have some type of culture shock, um, which is okay working through, you know, trying to figure out how do we manage that, but also just like a learning aspect of like, how do I move in the spaces? Um, I think it was just now in Tampa where I was like, oh, okay. Um, I've had to be a little bit more intentional about um, my supervision with students who are um, identified different than I do. Now, when it comes to um, students holding traditionally minoritized identities, I think that I relate to what Paige mentioned in terms of like, I don't ever want people to think that I have favorites, um, even though I understand that everyone has their biases and um, specifically when people look like me and have similar, um, you know, experiences that I do, naturally that just forms, you know, connections, right? And so for me as a supervisor, I want to make sure that all my students feel cared for, all the people that I um, have touch points that they know that they can feel comfortable with me, regardless, because something that I always like to challenge my students and people that I'm around is um, 
this is a space for us to be brave in like we talk about safe spaces and brave spaces um specifically when i have like a large group of very diverse i um identities i always like to challenge them like this is a space where i want to create vulnerability and trust so that people feel comfortable growing in what it means to understand um being in a diverse space and what does true inclusion mean and all these aspects of diversity equity and inclusion work right and so i think that has always been very important for me um understandably has been a little bit more challenged during challenging during the pandemic but um i think i i rely on my relationship building skills because I'm I feel pretty confident in my relationship building skills if I'm being honest and I, I ride that out when it comes to how I supervise understanding and keeping in mind my own identities um so yeah I think for me um I would go back to what Chasmin said in regards to like it depends on who I'm supervising I think um back to my grad school experience, because that is the experience when I supervised the most white males in like the same period. And I didn't start to reflect on that experience until my first um, full-time professional job when I was um, not able to connect with one of my white males. And I was just like, I don't know what's going on. I try to like, you know, I even was talking about video games with him and I'm not a gamer, um, but, you know, trying to like, you know, video games. Um, he had a sports background. Obviously, uh, for sports, I really only follow college football and it's only the two schools that I went to. And so, you know, he, like he, there was a sports connection, but, you know, I was it was the year that like UT wasn't really doing well. And I was like, yeah, sad UT, but I think Clemson, you know, and then, you know, trying to like talk to him about his. Um, and then I think at that point, the supervisor that he had before me was also a white male. Um, and so I think that that was the time I was just like, I was talking to his former supervisor because I was fortunate that the, um, his former supervisor still worked here. And so I was just like, I don't know what's going on. And then he was like, well, maybe, you know, it's not me. And, you know, it's like, you know, identities aren't to come into place. And I was like, yeah. So that's when I had a moment to like really reflect on my experience in grad school um, supervising white men because I didn't really have any, or at least with me to my face, I didn't have any issues with them. And um, I have a picture of like my previous staff from grad school um, above me right now as we're like meeting and I'm like reflecting again and I'm like, oh yeah, he probably had a problem with me. <laughs> and so um, I even think of one of the staff members who I think my second year we had a really good um, relationship, but I think my first year he probably um, looked at me differently. Uh, and I want to say look at me differently um, in a different way. But I think, you know, being Black, they sometimes will question your authority and challenge your authority. And so I think he was one who challenged my authority. And then I had one I blamed it on the fact that he was a STEM major. <laughs> I was like, oh, he doesn't, you know, because, you know, I'm having him think in the gray area and not the black and white, because that's very much so how he was. But now that I've, like, been sitting here, it's like, maybe also, like, the fact that I was black, he was questioning that, and the fact that, um, yeah. But I feel like I have my most connections with, obviously, um, Black um, students and other students of color. Um, but I think for me, 
the challenge has always been white males, but for the most part, I think the fact that um, I'm a man sometimes um, comes into play more so um, than being um, a black man. I think with any, and then I think when you're black, you know, it's just like, hey, you're black. But I think sometimes I have to check myself to see, do I have a different set of expectations for my black students that I supervise? And when I say different set of expectations, I think sometimes maybe I'm holding them to make a higher level um, because I know that they can be great. Um, and I know how society views them, especially outside of the university. And so um, I guess it's like a coming from a place of care, but it's like, calm down. You didn't go off on this student <laughs> when they didn't do, you know? So why are you going off? And it's just like, I just want them to do, because I know they have to, in society, we have to work twice as hard, you know? And so, um, and I know they can be great, but, and I know that when they go out there and if they have a white supervisor or maybe even other um, people of color who don't identify as black, they may be like, you know, come in with these preconceived biases and um, thoughts that how they should, how they're going to come in and act as an um, employee. You know, Dylan and I have like, similar but really different experiences and I think it's because of the institutions that we went to because they're so similar like SEC ACC schools um and so while Dylan was talking um the one thing that it also made me think about too about supervising white males because my first um job was in an all-male hall um was also the political climate and so while I was supervising them Trump was president. Now, I'm not going to get into the politics, but the last four years kind of, you know, I think it shifted society and what they like boldly and like outwardly, how they outwardly treated people. I think it really shifted. And, it, you know, some people were seeing things like differently. Um, I think they're, you know, all their isms were kind of running over in their cup and it was bleeding into their relationship. Like, I had to kind of question a few of my students. Like, I had to let them know, like, I'm not the one. You can take that and President Trump to the next building. Um, and then, yes, um, the one other thing I would add on to Dylan, one thing that I have noticed, too, as a supervisor, and, like, everyone here has said, is that with my Black students, I always found myself going so much harder for them. So, like, when you see the effects of like the structural um, implications of an oppressed system, we know that our black and brown students are disproportionately affected. It just happens, right? And so I see my black students getting fired for the same thing my white students were getting warnings for. And so like, I remember telling one of my supervisors, like, please just count this as my one miracle that you'll do for me or like putting all my chips in. One time I got a testimony from the police um, trying to get one of my students out of like trouble and so I just remember like wanting to do so much to help my black students um, because I knew the fact that they were in school was um, something to be grateful for and the fact that they were in a job that could provide them housing and food um, I thought was like you know something to be really grateful for and so it always made me like go so much harder for them maybe because I could you know relate a little bit more but 
Dylan's testimony or his like part in this made me just have so many flashbacks of how many times, you know, I had to go hard. And also I still have those relationships today. And those relationships are the relationships that keep me like in higher ed because it's definitely not the textbook theory to practice. It's the students that make me go to work every day. I think it's interesting, um, as we mentioned, the different like uh, demographics that uh, demographics of students in relation to identities that um, challenge us or um, question us in terms of who we are as black supervisors. In my experience, the last couple of years, maybe not so much in um, an undergrad, I wasn't really supervising people, um, <laughs> but I interacted with with folks from a leadership perspective. I haven't had that many issues with white males. If in anything, it's been the opposite. Like we tend to be like pretty chill. Um, it's been, I think in my experience, white female women who would question me um, boldly, uh, which I found interesting. And I, I mean, I could say something to to some some of my guys and just be like, hey, don't do this. Or like, this is why you need to understand not to do this. Just coming from just like a regular supervision stamp, standpoint, you know, like accountability. Versus I have some other folks who would just, I'm just living my life, you know, I'm saying being a supervisor and they um, approach me in a certain demeanor or um, question certain um, actions that I've taken in my practice as a supervisor. I found that has been interesting. Um, So, yeah, I I just wanted to to note that as we were kind of discussing some of those. So funny because mine is kind of like similar but different. So, like, I won't even say all white males that I've, like, supervised, but it was just one in particular who was just, I think there were so many other things that played into it, but definitely it was racial, the fact that I was a woman, and the fact that we were similar in age. Um, I know that played a lot into our relationship, but also the the Latinas that I've supervised have also given me some back, like, some pushback. Which I was like, oh, interesting. Um, And that was a little challenging because I had no problems with the white um, female students that I was supervising. They're like, what do you need me to do? Like, I'm doing it. Like, I want to be a part of your team. Like, they were all like team players, like the black students and the white uh, women students that I had. They were like all game. It was everybody else. And I'm just like, whoa, what's going on? And so I know like. Oftentimes when y'all hear me talk, I try to definitely not always say black and brown because I'm like, if I'm talking about black people, I want to say black people. If I'm talking about brown people, I want to say brown people, because even within that, there has been a lot of anti-blackness all around. And I've experienced it. I witnessed it. um, And um, it's kind of hard to call it out because then they'll say things like, oh, I didn't mean it that way. So then I was like, "Okay, let's unpack that. What do you mean? I asked you to do something. Why isn't it being done? Well, I felt like it could have been done in a different way. Fantastic. We will explore those options at a different time, but this is what I need now. And so I constantly felt like I had to, it was a pull and push and tug or whatever I'm trying to say. Um, it was, it was, it was challenging and it, um, it just kind of opened my eyes up to know like, dang, y'all, we out here by ourselves most of the time. Like, yes, we have some allies. We have some people who, um, are there, but ultimately it's like we're out here by ourselves trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. 
I would agree with that. And I would also, I think I find myself thinking about some things that you said along with Bev. I know Bev was talking about that sometimes she gets like pushback from white women um, and I've received the same. And I think for me, it's hard sometimes when um, I look at the structure of organization um, and I am the only maybe black person there or even black woman there. Not only am I having to you know, help them understand and I need X, Y, and Z to be done. I got to go to someone above me who doesn't hold any, maybe that may not hold my identities. And now I have to tell you why, A, this student may have an issue with me, share some racial undertones that you may not be picking up and still supervise them and get the job done at the same time. And so I'm doing four things on, I'm trying to help her understand, I'm trying to help you understand, and I'm trying to help make sure we all get this so I can get the job done that you paid me to do. And sometimes that can be a, a little taxing as well. I think um, it's interesting for me in my Haitian identity. Culturally, I think that I relate to a lot of Latinx, Hispanic, Caribbean cultures. And I think off rip, I can understand like before I speak or before I share anything about myself. Right. People make judgments um, and I pick up on those judgments in interactions. But the moment I start, you know, talking about the food or I, I'm bilingual or multilingual and all these things, that's when you notice tensions are being eased. Um, or and also connections are being made that makes me supervising certain, you know, student groups easier, um, which is like I find to be interesting. Like it's yes, it's a strength, but I'm very aware of the anti-blackness within um, the Caribbean in general. Um, and I think it's different than that. The, the way that that's approached is different than than how racism feels like in America, if that makes sense. Um, where in America, it doesn't matter what percentage of black, you know, you have, you're black, you know, because of the one drop rule. Historically, that's, you know, how people have socialized versus I think in the Caribbean, the closer you are to whiteness, the more you can kind of shed or disassociate with any type of um, black you know, heritage, lineage, what have you, which is um, kind of trippy for me because sometimes I look at students who I'm like, sis, you, you just, uh, I mean, it's just the, the slave ship was only just a country and a drop away and we could have been the same people, you know, um, and they treat, they may have views that are so completely uh, anti-black, you know, and it's just like, we are of the same <laughs> makeup I feel like and I think that's where a lot of it is where you realize like these are all just kind of social constructs and how society really shapes these views and that's why I really have to sit down when with my own supervision and taking into perspective taking into consideration all the different perspectives and historical like um, understandings because I remember vividly when everything was going on in this summer um I didn't necessarily I had a lot of students from my previous institution who wanted to talk to me about um, some of the things that were going on um, with with George Floyd, Beyond Taylor, specifically because they didn't have that context of American history um, to really understand the depth of like how racism feels sometimes in America. 
um, when you're like an immigrant or a child of an immigrant or what have you. And I think that's interesting how that bleeds into supervision and how that bleeds into the conversations that we have in our role, because it's unavoidable. We work in institutions, right, where there's all different types of people, you know, intermingling. And this has that's the whole point of this conversation or this podcast. We're not a monolith group. Um, no racial, ethnic, whatever group is monolithic. And there's a lot of different perspectives that go into that, which then kind of going into Paige's conversation, a lot of work sometimes you got to do in order to get things done when everyone has all of these completely varied perspectives. I think Bev really just summed up what I was going to say. And when Aaliyah was talking, like literally in my head, I was like, retweet, 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 retweet. Because I think that sometimes people, individuals like to group our black and brown students together, but supervising brown students is completely different, in my opinion, to supervising black students. And Bev said it the best. They sometimes they have a level of anti-blackness that I have to be on the receiving end of. And sometimes I think people don't realize that because sometimes we have parallels, right? I wouldn't even say similar experiences. I'm just going to say some parallels because Bev's right. The ship missed them, right? Sometimes if they're immigrants, the ship may miss them. They may whatever. Um, And so I think that sometimes I just get very frustrated because even now at 26, I have to be like, you down, but you're not down enough and you really don't understand because they'll pull the card in a quickness, right? Like they'll, like sometimes I ca- I catch brown people like using the word nappy and I'm like, just because you got silky smooth hair, you know, doesn't mean, or like I'll catch them saying like the N word and I'd be like, right? And so it's like little acts like that that make the experience extremely different um, just as people and I think supervising them sometimes they have very uh, Karen-type tendencies, right? Because in our group chat, when we were talking about the white women who give us backlash, I was like, Karens, because that's what they are. Let's call it what it is. Um, Or sometimes my brown males give me similar action to my white males, and I have to sometimes, like, remind myself that they aren't as always down for the cause as I want them to be. I was thinking as you all were talking about um, challenges that I've had with um, students, either um, white or black. And and so obviously I talked about the one white male student um, who was a challenge. But I think one of my most challenging students was a black male. And... It was interesting because, and so this was in my internship experience that was over the summer. Um, He, when I first came in, I was talking, I think, I don't know if I came in and I looked young or green behind the ears. I don't know what, (laughs) but um, we were talking, I was talking about an event that we were going to do and how logistically I wanted the students to come in to like you know go throughout um I think it was something dealing with food so like going throughout like you know the sections and stuff so I was like talking about these are some of the things that I'm thinking about and again this is like my internship so I haven't been there <laughs> and like this is my first time seeing this building um the where we were going to have the everything and he was just like have you ever worked in housing like you know students um 
are just gonna like go over if we don't serve them and i was like yes but that's when we, you know like just like had to talk through the, the logistics of like yes and also we can like tell them and then i was like also well you know like just like hat rebuttals and i was like really taken aback um and all throughout the summer i was like man this dude does not like me i don't know why um and our supervisor supervisee one-on-ones they went well um in regards to like getting um to know him um i don't know he seemed closed off at times but like i like i learned a lot about him so like that's good um it wasn't until the end like my last um weekly report that i was reading from them when he shared that um in his weekly report he was like also i want to recognize you we gave you a hard time by we he meant me <laughs> we gave you a hard time you really put a lot into making sure the summer was awesome and we were just you know stuff you know it was summer school so maybe they didn't want to really like be doing things and um i think also i came in with the, with a lot of energy it was like woo summer school and they were like woo summer school and so um i think that he was challenging but i think to see that there was a thanks at the end because you know sometimes we don't get to see that in our line of work um but seeing that you know i maybe i challenged him a little bit to think about the summer differently or um you know things like that but throughout that whole summer it was i was just like yeah i don't know why this kid doesn't like me it was one of those like oh i think i gotta have a meeting with him today <laughs> what can come up so i don't have to <laughs> Um, I think you you bringing up like a weekly report also reminds me of like other forms of tools that we use in our supervision, such as emails and um, the language that we may use within formal written communication. And so um, to the group, I want to ask, how do you see yourself supervising when it specifically in a virtual world um, through written virtual communication? How do you think that that differs? I will rewrite and rewrite an email because I'm like, okay, am I using slang? Like I'm over here. Like I spend a lot of time rereading my emails because I'm like, can I use another word that's a little softer? I'm always thinking about how am I going to be perceived? And like I often use like bold and underline, but I always tell my staff that I'm not yelling or any of that. I'm just trying to emphasize, like let you know like this is important. Hey, look at me, you know. Um, and I have to give that disclaimer because I know how that comes off in general and especially how does that come off for me as a black woman telling them what to do in a sense. And so I'm always rereading. I'm always like I always have like Google up on like a synonym. Like what other word could I use besides this? And um, it's frustrating sometimes. Sometimes I just want to send the email quick, but I'm having to like go over it because I know how it could possibly be received. I think that's so like that's such a good point that you bring up because yesterday I sent an email and it was very quick, quick and to the point. It was like so and so. It was I didn't even have a hi or a hello. It said so and so. Here's the info that you need, and I signed off. And as soon as I hit the send button, I was like, that didn't have no fluff. They're gonna think I'm disrespectful that I don't have time. And I think that you know a lot of people sometimes. They like that I can be a fluffy person, but I'm low key like thinking that maybe that fluff in my emails and my writing 
come from the fact that I have to constantly make sure that I'm not coming off as aggressive or incompetent and that all my bases are covered because one little grammar error can make the whole entire email, you know, somebody not take the email series. And so it is something that I do think about all the time Um, because, you know, writing, you know, people are like, is she incompetent? No, I just was typing fast. Right. Um, And so I think people will use anything against you. So I agree, Aaliyah. I can also resonate with that. I know for me, I always have a good start. I hope the CMO finds you well. There's some exclamation points in there. I want to make sure I got it all together. Um, And that can be hard, right? Because when I'm sending out other emails or someone's giving me something, I can tell they only spent 30 seconds and I maybe spent five minutes like going over that email. But also I think um, there's, I have experienced people who look like me upholding these rules as well. And so one day, like I sent an email to someone who shares like the same identities as me. Um, I got an, I actually got a phone call. Oh no, ma'am. Where's your opening? Where's your your greeting? Where's your closing? But the content was there and it was a quick, they needed a, a, a document. I was like, see attached, right? And so um, I wonder too, like how, how many people also police folks into making sure that they are upholding some standard that when I'm talking to people who are several levels and degrees above me, they maybe spend 30 seconds. Here you go, Paige. I need this done, Paige. And they didn't spend the same amount of time I did on drafting my email. Oh, man. I think that is so real because I think, um, and again, it's hard for me to separate just my Black identity with the other intersectional identities that I hold. I think specifically as a woman, and how we are viewed in leadership positions that comes into play specifically as a black woman. So like, I never, I try my best to stay away from like all caps. Cause I don't want people to think I'm yelling or I'm angry. You know, I will, I will bold use different colors. Italicize before I will <laughs> all cap something. Um, and I think to your point to page in terms of like having like a greeting and stuff, I think in a Caribbean culture it is very important before you get to business to like, have a conversation how are you doing how's your day going um you know all of these things before just outright stating like the the process or whatever you're trying to like you know say I think with my students sometimes I'll be like approved <laughs> because like there's less of I mean they're my students there's less of like uh um that back like um someone gonna come in and talk to me about it versus with my peers or with um other authority figures I'm very conscious of what I'm what I'm saying and also knowing that like me naturally I think I I talk very informally but my writing I try to make sure that I speak very formally specifically in emails just to make sure that they understand like hey I may have been joking at you at lunch but I'm still a professional like um I don't want people to just file me file me into one box of what it means to be a black woman in a professional um, professional setting. Um, So I think that that's something that I always think of. I think about that as well, Bev. More so when I send emails out to my students. I think sometimes there's the fluff, um, but if we've been like going back and forth, sometimes it's just like, yeah, that's fine. Um, but I think about 
more emails that like I'm sending out to um, colleagues and peers more often and I think about how it's going to be received. I also um, sometimes I think about the certain people in the organization and how they're going to like take it and read it and how they're going to view me. Um, and I think a lot of it comes to how they're going to view me as a professional, how are they going to view me um, as a black man? And so I think about, so sometimes I'll sit there and be like, hmm, how is, how is someone, how is so-and-so, does this make me come off? You know, that whole like overthinking it. Um, I'll read it several times. Sometimes I'll get, I'll send it to people. It's like, how does this sound? <laughs> you know, um, because I think there's a level of not wanting to look like I'm not, like I don't know what I'm doing or I don't have the skills to be in the position that I'm in. And so um, I think about that a lot. Also with emails, I also think about the whole um, how to go off on people professionally or those, those whole memes and gifts and stuff, you know, per my last email. Um, <laughs> and then I think sometimes, sometimes this is with students, sometimes this is with um, maybe um, colleagues, not necessarily peers within the department, when we're there's like a committee work or something and they didn't do a piece or they say that like maybe I missed the piece I'm good to like go back and I before replying it'll be a thoughtful reply but I'll go back and really like research or if a student's coming to me about like a policy or something um, I'll also be like that is a policy and this is the policy that you know so things like that right um, so I don't know. And, that, and I feel like that's a win for me <laughs> for some reason. It's like, don't try to come for me. Like, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's so funny that you said that, Dylan, because I literally wrote down, like, per my last email or my favorite one with my staff is, as stated in our staff meeting agenda that I sent to y'all <laughs> that you have. Um, and I think I sort of use emails with my staff as far as, like, making sure I'm covering my own butt, right? And so, like, sometimes I'll tell them, like, yeah, you can do it. But I'm also like, please send me an email. So and then I will reply to that just so, like, we good because I don't want you saying that I said something. I'm like, I deny and I don't want all of that happening. And um, for me, I try to put multiple things, the same thing in multiple places. So if a staff member like, oh, I can't find it. I'm like, well, it's in your canvas. I put it in a group meeting. And I sent you an email. So, hey, as you all, as I stated in my expectations, information will be uh, placed in multiple spaces. So look at all three, use your coworkers as uh, resources before you come to me. And like I, in the beginning, when I first started being a supervisor, I had no idea what I was doing. My first staff, <laughs> I'm like, why didn't anybody tell me how to be a supervisor? I think sometimes we get trained on how to do the job, but we don't get trained on how to be a supervisor. And what that means all the time. And I would love to spend more time on that. I feel like our current institution does a better job than my previous experiences. But um, to me, it's kind of like I need a step by step manual. Like, how do you be a supervisor? And um, ultimately, now that I'm more comfortable in my supervision and I'm more comfortable in like just how I show up as a supervisor, I feel like I've taken some of that pressure off. Like, now I'm very transparent. I tell them, like, Yo, I'm not feeling it today. And I don't even think about my identities when I say it anymore. Like, if you feel any way about me, that that's on you. Like, I can't I can't hold it. I cannot. And I refuse to. 
um, because I choose to share my energy in other spaces. And when I feel like I need to talk about my identities or how whatever, I will do that on my time um, and where I see fit. So I feel like I'm finally taking like some of that power back. And um, it feels good. Now with my staff, we laugh. I joke with them all the time and I feel so good about it. Um, I think you mentioned something, Aaliyah, that is important in terms of just like the amount of time we spend as black supervisors on these like formalities because of how the world perceive us versus our peers who may have a little bit more privileged identities who don't have to um, think about those things. I have a, a coworker who I I love and appreciate dearly, but I often think about how quickly they're able to get things done or like send out replies or send out emails um, because they don't have to think about the way that they're going to be perceived um, if they say something like very without any dressing or what have you, even if they're new, even if like, you know, they don't really have that much experience, but because of how the world perceives certain identities and specifically those who have a lot more privilege, don't really have to spend that much time thinking about those things. And um, it creates this cycle of like, wow, this person is so great. They do a lot of work and they do the work so quickly. And it's like they're very you know, efficient. And I think like we can be, too. It's just we also have all this other stuff sometimes that we may consciously or subconsciously have to think about before we send it out. Um, so definitely trying to get to a place where that doesn't drag us down, I think, is important. Um in our practice and in our role. Yeah, I think for me, I think um, I'm actually kind of like the opposite, just a little bit like going back to what Dylan and Aaliyah were talking about, like part of my last email, I stated in the agenda, I am quick to put an in-person meeting on someone's calendar to follow up about an email that they sent me. Um, because I learned really early in the game that I don't want too much written because I don't want no tracks. I, I don't want no evidence that can get me in trouble. Um, so <laughs> I learned really early to just have in-person meetings because students specifically can interpret uh, tone, meaning, intention. They can interpret it however they want via email. Um, our colleagues, too, um, but I worry less about them and more about our students. But I learned really early that sometimes like email email is the quickest, but it's not always the most efficient. And I think that's probably my favorite thing about the virtual world is that now if I get an email that I need to dig a little bit deeper in, it's so much easier for me to just call someone on Teams versus having to wait a few days to meet with them in person, you know? Um, and so I know that some people like um, like a paper trail of communication, but I like to just do it face to face because I don't want a paper trail that could possibly come back and bite me in the butt. And, you know, our state laws now say like anything that's sent via like the computer, we can look at. And so I don't want no one digging and being like, well, you said on December 5th at 1259 per your last email and I felt that black aggressive tone and I'm gonna have to get them together so I feel like I'm just a little bit different in that aspect but I do understand absolutely definitely so as we think about um some of the topics or areas that we chatted about in terms of being a black supervisor what is that like any final thoughts from anyone I have a final thought 
Um, it's so weird. Like, I really enjoy supervising. Like, it's one of my favorite things. The aspect of it that I do not like is that I feel like I'm a part of the system, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know. It, it, it makes me feel like, because traditionally, I feel very connected to my students. I want to relate to them. I want to be a part. You know, I, I want to share and just let them know that I'm here for them and there for them. Um, but then there's moments where they remind me like, hey, you know, I don't want to speak up in this space because you're present. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? And it means because you are an authority, like authority figure and I can't bring, be my whole self in this space with you here. And that in my soul bothers me because I'm like, when did I become this person? <laughs> when did I become this person? And I'm just trying like to not take it personally or anything. But this year, specifically like with my hall council and different things like that, um, that came up like they had like meetings without me present. And they were like, this is the best meeting we ever had. But I'm like, dang, when I'm there, y'all don't talk. <laughs> so it is is that is just a new uh, realization that I'm coming to terms with. And it's just something that I never thought about or considered before. Thank you for sharing that, Aaliyah. I think that's definitely salient to our experiences at times. Um, being in positions of authority, understanding what that means to be black in authority and, and supervising. So um, that is definitely uh, a point there uh, to reflect on. And um, so I want to say to the listeners, thank you for listening to Monolithic, the podcast where we do explore diversity within black experiences. Um, we hope you liked and learned something from this week's topic. I said what I said, being black in a leadership role. Definitely tune in next week for another thought-provoking and eye-opening discussion. Please follow us on Instagram at monolithic underscore the podcast and join the conversation. So if you have had a similar story, please share in the comments. We would love to hear your perspective on these issues. And as always, I'm Beverly. I'm Dylan. I'm Aaliyah. I'm Paige. And I'm Jasmine. Peace and gratitude to you all. Thank you.